Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, coming to you live from inside the giant Goku parade float, the Macy's Day Parade. We're recording on Thanksgiving Thursday, a holiday that we don't have here in Canada, because as Kyrie Irving pointed out, Thanksgiving is a garbage holiday. Uh, and ours is just a little earlier. Eric Green is joining me back off the road. Eric, how's it going, man? It's going all right. Going, uh, you know, there's, other than there being about a 35-degree difference between uh, what I was enduring yesterday and what I'm enduring today, it's fine. Yeah, this is the day we the, the Raptors lose Kawhi Leonard. Going from 19, 19 degrees in yeah. Atlanta to minus nine degrees in Toronto. Yeah. Tough it's break. over. It was, it was a good couple of months. You can only hide the truth of, uh, of a Canadian winter for so long. It's about like four months. That's how, that's how long you can do it. Um, my, my contention has always been that winter is actually good. I like winter a lot. I like all the seasons anyway, but I really like, I, the only thing I don't like about winter is when it gets like really slushy on the ground. Uh, that especially is since right, yeah. right now I don't have boots. I'm actually going to get, I have a nice little, nice little non-holiday Thursday planned, Eric. I'm recording this podcast with you and, and there's not much better than spending time with you. Yeah. I'm going to go get, uh, that's the highlight. I, I'm yeah, sure. obviously. Uh, then I'm going to go get ramen. Then I'm gonna go buy boots, and then I'm gonna go see Creed two, and then I'm gonna yeah. play basketball. Uh, I am doing a few of those things too. Which ones? I will uh, let the listeners guess. I, I figure the basketball, since we play in the same league, is probably a safe guess. I mean, I cannot confirm or deny that. All right. Does it matter if you show up at this point anymore, though? I don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry I brought it up. I do. We beat you twice. We. I feel like we need to talk about it. Uh, I feel like you should at least talk about giving Reynolds buckets. Yeah, I mean, your team is better than mine. Reynolds was chirping me from the bench, you know. He always tired. He's tired because I was carrying our offense. And uh, then I drilled a jumper in somebody's face and yelled back to the bench, just to Reynolds. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with anybody else on, on your team. And yeah, like he fancies himself some sort of brilliant help defender. Uh, like he, like he's Kyle Lowry and knows how to, you know, play free safety and dig and and really cause uh, loose balls. You know, the king of the deflections, I, I think, is what he's implied that he is. Uh, and he's not. He just leaves people who are capable of making ba- baskets. Um, he is an people. unspeakably bad defender. Yeah, it's remarkable. Anyway, it's a miracle uh, that we're going to finish above five hundred and make the playoffs. Yeah, old. He's like Chris Paul, uh, but only the only in attitudinal senses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of his game, I don't know. Um, yeah, he's I, more I like know. he's more like Jose Calderon on the defensive end. Yeah, I feel like I want except that like I think Jose knew what to do more or less. I just don't think he could really do it. Yeah, that's fair. Like that's that's like me now on defense. Uh, I can't move. I have like a fairly high IQ basketball IQ, so I know where to be. But I just can't get from the first place I have to be to the second place I have to be. Uh, whereas Reynolds is just 
freelancing all over the place like he's a slightly pudgy Kyle Lowry and being coached by uh, Dwayne Casey, who has yet to instill fundamental defensive principles with his point guard. Yeah, well, at least let's our team it, has... Let's look at it back to 2012. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And then, you know, my, my, my suggestion for how on defense to get from one place to another is just be sturdy enough that no one else can get to the place they're going to go. So no one can do anything anyway. Yeah. That would, impl- that would, you know, I need to go to the gym to do that. And yeah, just be a brick wall. And then big guys will just try to shoot over you and little guys will just run into you. And you do have some gen- genetic advantages. You could be a five foot 10 center then. <laughs> yeah. You t- I saw you take a few shots. Uh, I'm not sure if they were in our game. But sometimes the situation shames you into taking a shot. Yeah, I don't know. I take take one or two a game. Yeah. Keep the defense honest. Exactly. Uh, you'll notice on top of the basketball, I did not say I'm eating Thanksgiving. Uh, that is not only because it's not actually Thanksgiving here. But, Eric, before we get into the Raptors talk, can we just – Thanksgiving food is, like, it's not good. Uh, I know this is – a widely, not a widely held, it's a, not a widely held belief, but it's a strong belief uh, that you have. Um, I've got to say, I think the thing we agree on is that stuffing's awesome. Yes. Yes, stuffing is the best Thanksgiving food. Uh, and then, but you hate all potato products. Yes. So, and I also think turkey is the worst of the meats. Turkey is overrated. Um I think, you know, obviously being Jewish, I, I think there's nothing better than like a good brisket, like a juicy brisket. That's your sort of top option. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't understand what makes turkey theoretically better than, you know, a juicy chicken either. Um, uh, you know, also being Jewish, I, I have a weird, not weird, a to- totally normal distaste for like just pork or ham i think pork and ham is weird and i think that is sort of i would put that those you know things near the bottom of my list uh that doesn't include bacon or or sausage or anything like that but just you know ham with its pinkness it's just weird and like when pork is just gray like you shouldn't be eating gray food (laughs) um Eric, but I, I I do like I do like uh, I'm not as anti Thanksgiving as you, but I didn't grow grow up really celebrating Thanksgiving uh, in terms of a big meal. So I also don't have the the pent up uh, baggage maybe that you do. Yeah. Also, there's the factor of mom mute this, but uh, my mom's not a very good cook, and my dad yeah. can never cook anything. So. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I didn't have the, the best. I, th- I think the real solution here is that someone who's a really good cook or whose families are really good cooks should invite me over or send me a uh, to-go plate. You know, really let me dig in. It, like, I need I need to go to a Thanksgiving dinner where, like, mac and cheese and green beans are, like, staples of the meal, not, like, here's some turkey and some potato and some out-of-the-box stuffing. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. But, you know, I really love mashed potatoes. I think they're great. Um, but yeah, mac and cheese and green beans. I think there's almost always green beans or like Brussels sprouts or something. Um, I've come around on Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are the highest variance food that there is. If you, if you make them poorly, 
they taste like sweaty gym feet. And if you make <laughs> them well, they could be tremendous. Yeah. Highest uh, variance food. Who who are they of NBA players? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. Who's the highest variance? Like, who's the like, who's the biggest JR Smith on a checked out team versus yeah. JR Smith on uh, a team with LeBron while John Wall maybe uh, might be the might be the the notable one lately. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know Brussels sprouts were that mean to their coach. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> when you when you put up a stink like Brussels sprouts can, you know. <laughs> All right, we're, we're we're eight or nine minutes in here. We should probably talk about no, the Toronto yeah, Raptors. Your Toronto Raptors. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people have made it clear they don't like us bantering until after we talk about your fifteen and four Toronto Raptors. We haven't had an episode of this podcast in a while. Uh, first, because I went on the West Coast trip. Then because schedules didn't line up uh, when the team was back here, and then because you went on the most recent trip, so yeah, I we- saw I saw a group of uh, fans in Chicago, and one of them asked when the reasonableness was coming. So, uh, and I've been getting a few of those questions on Twitter. Usually, you get the bulk of those questions, so mm-hmm. I knew once I was getting the questions, it was probably time to uh, to put this into uh, into motion. So I guess we have the, – the plan was when I got back from L.A., we'd have so much beat writer minutia to talk about because I went on a road trip for the first time. I feel like I forget most of it now, and you're back yeah. off a trip. Uh, it sounds like you had quite the airport day yesterday, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't end up being horrible, but when I had booked my trip, um, I did not consider American Thanksgiving because I'm Canadian. Uh, and then I – Woke up yesterday on Wednesday and realized the following day would be American Thanksgiving. And from what I hear, that's one of the busiest travel days of the year. Um, I'll never forget being in Boston for a Raptors game on American Thanksgiving. Uh, It was like the day following was when the Raptors game would be in Boston. It was just like a ghost town. It was so strange. Uh, uh, Like nobody was there. So I decided to my, – my flight was at 9 p.m. because uh, I think it was, a, it was a thing where I was either going to go very early or very late. And I've learned an, some beat writer minutia is when you can help it, opt in the favor of sleep. Uh, even if it's going to cause you less time in a, in a desirable city, uh, sleep is invaluable and good for you and all that stuff. So I decided to Hard take the late disagree. flight. <laughs> uh, so I took the late flight. I was like, okay, whatever, I'll get to the the airport, like, something absurd, like, three and a half hours in advance, and then I'll just hang out in the airport, it'll be fine. And, first of all, it took an hour to get from my hotel to the airport, which was not entirely surprising, but I was still so early that they were only allowing people to get in line if you had a flight leaving within two hours. And I was still like an hour ahead. So I just had to sit outside security for an hour and watch people line up and go in. And eventually the line shrunk to where they got rid of that description. And I went through the line. It wasn't even that bad. Uh, The lesson is never be extra prepared. Just be adequately prepared. Uh, But it sounds like you had enough time to get in and maybe get a little buzz on watching the first little bit of the Raptors game. And uh, yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a way too expensive old fashioned served in a plastic cup. 
Uh, and I'm not really sure it was an old fashioned, like it was, there was way too much fruit in it for it to be a proper <laughs> old fashioned, but you know, that, that having too much fruit in a drink, isn't really, uh, gonna deter me from, if anything, it enhances the experience. Uh, and then, yeah, I got league pass, which I only have in the United States <laughs> to, yeah. uh, Watch the Raptors game, uh, and I, I watched those first four minutes where nobody scored. I it was, was amazing. A good laugh. Uh, it was really, really terrible. And like the Raptors were getting good looks too. That was the best. Part. Danny Green missed like a bunch of open three. This has been the story of the last of both of these road trips. Has been the Raptors are creating wide open threes at a really good rate and just missing all of them. Yeah. Anyway, I watched the first half. They were up by eleven, and. I'm going to, full disclosure, I did not see the second half, yet we're going to do this podcast. Did you see the final (laughs) possession, at least, though, where Vince got his 25,000? I read about it from you at theathletic.com slash Toronto. It was amazing. Um, He went full. Anyway, go ahead, yeah. To to come full circle, he went full Reynolds with his shot selection in the fourth quarter, hunting for those last six points. It was amazing. Okay, so obviously he wanted the record against Toronto, mm-hmm. um, which is is normal. But like, how how far back was he trying to plan this? Like, do you think it just got to the Toronto game and he realized he was within yeah. reach for it, or was he? This was like a six game master plan where he was going to put himself in reach against the Raptors. No, his game logs had not suggested that he was ramping up to make sure because I think he would have been closer than thirteen if he was doing that because he hadn't scored thirteen points in a game yet this year. So I anyway, feel like if he, if he wanted to make sure it was against the Raptors, he would have come in like, you know, needing six or eight points or something like that. It would have been amazing, though, had that been the case. Yes. And it was great it, it, to end it on a dunk after missing all those shots. It was it was pretty perfect with with the starters in the house for the game. Couldn't write it up. Uh, I mean, you could write it up better. I could do it. But as far as within the realm of possibility in 2018, you couldn't write it up much better. I think my favorite part was that Jordan Lloyd fouled Vince Carter and sent him to the line for three free throws to get it. And then for whatever reason, in like an 18 point game, the officials reviewed if his foot was on the line and then he only got two free throws. I really wanted him to throw like the second free throw off back rim and try to put it back himself. But he did not do that. That would have been great, but it almost surely would have resulted in like a free throw violation. Violation. Yeah. Um, And that uh and the refs would have ruined that too speaking of jordan lloyd by the way he's now played 17 minutes for the raptors uh you wrote a great piece after his first career points the other day uh talking to a bunch of the raptors about their first career buckets you can check that out at com slash toronto or slash raptors as well let me just say about that piece i missed kyle lowry because he was uh he didn't practice that day and you know didn't really feel like engaging uh i'm shocked as as I, I didn't go up to him. Like I, I'm not saying yeah. Like I asked him, and he just told me to get out of the space. But when you're in this job long enough, you you come to realize when something might not be worth it. Um, and asking Kyle Lowry about his first basket that day did not seem worth it. And I miss Malachi Richardson. I don't really have an excuse for that, other than the obvious sort of excuse. You forgot about Malachi Richardson. Uh, no comment. Yeah, uh, Jordan Lloyd though leads the team with a robust plus twenty four point seven net rating. It's pretty good. Uh, do you do you want to draw conclusions or should I? 
I want. I don't want to draw conclusions. Um, and the, him and Chris Boucher have already used eight of their forty-five NBA days that need to extend to like middle late March. Uh, however, you know, it hit a point last night. He he actually came out of it, and I, I don't think he was you know other than the one of five. I don't think he was that bad last night. But lately, there's been a you know we've been towing the line of should Jordan Lloyd maybe get a crack at those Lorenzo Brown minutes with so many guys hurt. I thought, like, in the first half, when the bench came in and did bench things, which is the opposite of path bench things for the Raptors, uh, we can talk about that in a bit. We will. Um, I sort of thought he should get a look. Yeah. Especially given where the the injuries are. um, It was worth a – anyway, it's fine. But uh, I was thinking it, and I don't think that makes me crazy. It's a tiny sample, and that net reading means nothing. Uh, but Jordan Lloyd is pretty good, and he's put up 20 points in pretty much every 905 game so far and done it with – you know, he's he's one of those guys who um, – I think we've talked about this a little bit before when G League guys are showing out. Uh, there's a difference between being very good in the G League and being very good in the G League in the role that you'll be expected to play in the NBA. And it was something Malcolm Miller thrived with last year where his 905 numbers – weren't crazy, but he was playing the exact same. He was getting the same shots and playing the same defense that he would play if the Raptors eventually called upon him. And then when he started a bunch of games, he didn't look out of place at all. Um, you know, Jordan Lloyd's usage is much higher with the 905, but I think he's got a, a similar uh, sense of, you know, this is what the Raptors would ask of me. I shouldn't chuck 30 shots a game because that's not how I'm going to get into the NBA. Uh, anyway. It's been nice to see him develop. It's been nice to see Chris Boucher be the best player in G League history. Uh, he's been bonkers. Less. I, I'm a little disappointed, though, that Chris Boucher's usage rate came down with two garbage time appearances. His, his usage rate was like 97% in his first appearance with the Raptors. Uh, it's come back down to earth a little bit the uh, the last couple games, which is disappointing. I like that we have uh, haven't done a, a podcast in like three weeks, and we, so we start it by slamming Reynolds talking about my trip to the airport, which all in all went fine, and then talking about uh, the Raptors' two-way players. Yes. Uh, we're totally on brand. Uh, <laughs> Very anyway. much. Okay, let's talk about the Raptors on this trip. Uh, the, the trip started off, we, we won't, the only thing I have to say about my West Coast trip, um, since people, I don't know if people wanted to beat Ryder Minutia or not, but we're one, get it. one, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of weird, and I was out of my comfort zone. But it was a lot of fun, and I feel like before that trip, I underrated maybe the relationship-building aspect of being around more often. Um, I thought I got some okay stuff out of guys while I was there. Covering Shea was fun. Uh, I will say the other thing is I, I did the opposite of you. I booked a really early flight out of Sacramento the morning after a game. Uh, That had me up at like four in the morning to get to the airport, thinking it would get me back to Toronto at a reasonable time. I could make my basketball game. Uh, My connecting flight through Utah got delayed four times. So that uh, you know why that happened to you? Because you're a dumb idiot, Blake. So the Raptors swept that West Coast trip as part of a six game winning streak. They returned home, beat the Knicks, then lost to New Orleans, lost to the Detroit Pistons on a Dwayne Casey play call at the end of the game. That was beautiful, which obviously that's how everyone expected that to go. And then they lost to start this trip in overtime to the Boston Celtics, uh, corrected things a little bit with a win 39 point win, uh, shorthanded on the second night of a back-to-back in Chicago, then beat Orlando. Uh, they blew 18 point lead, but hung on for a two point victory on their own 
nice late play call. And then uh, swamped the, the Atlanta Hawks by 16 last night. Eric, you weren't in Atlanta, but the other three games, you know, is this basically what you expected? They, they lost a tough one, but it's in Boston. Even if the Celtics are struggling, that's fine. Blow out the Bulls and then beat a pretty game magic team in a, in a tight one. Yeah, macro, that's what I would have expected, like in terms of a result-based game, uh, or just like picking the results, rather. The defense the defense against Boston I thought was not good. Um, I thought the better team won that game. Uh, and it's weird to say because Kawhi had sort of an unsustainable evening, uh, shooting 18 for 26. But you could just see the difference between Boston defensively and the Raptors defensively, which, you know, Boston's the best defensive team in the league. Maybe not after they lost to the Knicks. Haven't checked this morning. Um, but that, that game had me a bit concerned and it wasn't just the plays down the stretch. Although I, I think the thing that none of us spent enough time talking about was the play where Lowry set a screen for Kawhi and Kawhi just sort of, Yes, not, like, decided not to down. take the Irving switch. Yeah. Um, and that's a play, like, that's not about coaching. Like, that's <clears throat> that's a player decision. And really the only difference between the looks that Kawhi was creating and Kyrie were, was creating was that Kawhi was doing it against the defender that the Celtics wanted him to go up against, whereas... Boston was doing everything they could to get Kawhi off of uh, off of Kyrie Irving, uh, and then the refs helped out by fouling certain players out on dubious calls. Yeah, the Danny Green ones weren't great, but uh, I think the sixth one was legitimate. The fifth one was the fifth one. The fifth one was not. <laughs> Daddy Green was like laughing about it after the game. He yeah. was like going through the fouls, and he was like, "The third one, I got him on that one." <laughs> like uh, uh, you know, like you saying. you know how little I like to talk about the actual <laughs> official, but the fifth one yeah. I actually thought was a foul on Gordon Hayward because he had barred Danny Reen's arm in exactly the way Joey Crawford outlined to us in a recent meeting where uh, Joey Crawford explained the points of emphasis to the media. I thought it was a I pure think, example of an offensive foul, but I think that was uh, Gordon Hayward's. Uh, expressing disappointment over Becky Lynch missing Survivor Series. Yeah, with the armbar, yeah. yeah. Gordon Hayward, or he probably could, a big fan of Thanksgiving. Or he could just be a Ronda Rousey stan, who knows. Yeah, that was uh, that was good, the Charlotte Rousey stuff. I didn't see it, but it seems like they executed it well. Yeah. Um, good yeah. for them. I had a fun time, more beat writer minutia. Uh well, when we will talk about the games, maybe. Um, on Sunday, I got up and I wrote my piece on Fred Van Vliet after the Chicago game. I thought it turned out pretty well. Then I just went to a bar uh, and watched football, uh, like on you know uh, the early slate of football games. And there were a bunch of Vikings fans there because the Vikings were uh, in Chicago on Sunday night to play the Bears. And it's just it's neat being at a <clears throat> a bar when. Uh, in the States with people who are really not just interested in fantasy, but the NFL in general. It's a good experience. Uh, I had a good time. Cool. Uh, Let's yeah. talk about Van Bleet because I don't think we need to go back each game. Like I think everyone at this point, there's enough time between them. Now um, we could talk kind yeah. of the bigger picture things. And Van Bleet is one of those bigger picture things because 
he is, I, I thought the last three games he's played a little better um, just qualitatively than he had um, in your piece. You talked to him and he mentioned that he's been dealing with first a toe thing, then a hamstring thing, then a back thing. And it's all on the left side of his body and it's kind of messing him up. Uh, big picture for the season. He is not playing super well. His on off numbers aren't that bad because he's been a part of some high usage lineups with four starters. Uh, and basically if you take any of the, any four of the, six starters being Lowry, Leonard, Green, uh, Siakam, Valanciunas, and Ibaka, it's going to be hard to have a, a poor net rating. How, uh, but Fred VanVleet's true shooting percentage is 47.3. Um, his usage has come down, but he was shooting much more than Fred VanVleet is accustomed to early. Um, you know, his, his assist to turnover rate is below two to one. You know, it hasn't been the best stretch for Fred VanVleet. And at times I feel like, You've seen him maybe not pressing, but making the tougher decision. For example, if he's in a pick and roll with Valanciunas and there's a tough pocket pass or a tough layup through traffic, he's picking the layup and he's not finishing super well at the rim. Which might be an issue when your left side of your body is, you know, not right. Yeah. And when you're really small. And, you know, combine those two things and it's going to be tough to finish around the rim. Yeah. So uh, you you talked to Fred about it to get a good handle on where he's at. You've seen a couple games since then. Where are you at with Van Vliet? Do you do you think this is still bothering him? Were you encouraged by the last two and a half games that you saw? Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, Nick Nurse basically admitted if they were at something closer to full health, he would be sitting a few games. Uh which makes you think, should they have been sitting him anyway because they were playing the Bulls and uh, and You can only Hawks sit so many guys, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, all of a sudden, your Jordan Lloyd is, like, an actual part of the rotation, not by, cho- not by you know, freedom, but by necessity. And that's not where you want to be, no disrespect to Jordan Lloyd. And Van Vliet is still smart enough to be where he's supposed to be. I, I think... He, yeah, he's not healthy, um, and it's go and it goes a bit beyond the normal. So an NBA season, everybody's hurt. Uh, he, I, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's injured, uh, but because if you're injured, you don't play. But he's sore enough to where you would in enough places to where you'd like to see him uh, get some time off, and I think it. If it doesn't get better on its own with uh, with the off days, he'll he'll he will get a chance to set. They don't have another back to back until I believe December eleventh and twelfth. Uh, so that's good for him. Uh, but he's just you know, Nurse said he's sort of been a shell of himself, and uh, and Van Vliet was laughing about it, like reminding people that. Before he was everybody's favorite player, he started the year terribly as a shooter from uh, from deep last year, and people were like, "Why is this guy even playing?" Uh, and that he became the best reserve in the league or, or thereabout. Uh, and that's the big thing right now is you just want him to be able to knock down open shots, and it's not happening. And it's not happening because he's not able to create it for himself. I don't think Delon Wright has been good. Uh, that's another thing that is an issue. And I think this is a reason why we probably would have guessed, you know, if you were to guess who was going to start more games before the season, Siakam or OG, uh, you would have guessed OG just because Siakam is a bit more playmaking and can help out the bench and help create 
some easier looks. I, I still uh, do not like that better in the big yeah, picture. But. I'm not suggesting they change it right now um, because I think it's, uh, the, the starting lineup is doing so well. And this is the way good teams work. Their starting lineups are really good <laughs> in general. Uh, the Raptors have sort of been an outlier the last few years. Um, but if it goes on long enough, I, I think you experiment with it a little bit and and see if Siakam can't uh, create easier looks for everybody uh, and get the bench moving and running a bit. Yeah, more. and we haven't seen it. Like, Ananobi's played 25 minutes with the Ibaka version of the starting lineup, and he's played, what am I looking at here, 14 minutes with the Valanciunas version of the starting lineup. So, um, And part of that is, you know, Ananobi missed a chunk of training camp. He missed three games due to a personal absence. He's missed a couple now with a sprained wrist. So that's not entirely within nurse's control. Uh, but I'd like yeah. to see that tweaked up a little bit more. Um, Van Bleet's struggles are kind of emblematic of the entire bench struggling. And obviously, last year, the bench mob as a five-man unit dominating as it did was an anomaly to the extent where it took me until maybe February before I was like, okay, fine, run a five-man bench unit in the playoffs, whatever. These guys are clearly good. Um, it just it, – it's not very common. And now – you could continue doing this now because you're not prioritizing every minute in the regular season and you want to guy, get guys familiar with each other. You want to see what you have in a Lorenzo Brown or a Malachi Richardson over the long haul and these little pockets of depth uh, necessity allow you to do that. Um, and, and then going to you know a Lowry, Leonard, Siakam staggering later in the year or in the playoffs is an easy enough change to make. So I'm not calling for that change to happen now. However... I will say this, the, the Raptors' four most heavily used lineups are all enormous plus minuses in terms of net rating. You've got the standard, what I think has become the standard starters who are plus 16.9 in 172 minutes. Uh, those same guys with Valanciunas instead of Ibaka are plus 36.3 in 70 minutes. And then you've got two versions of those um, with Fred Van Fleet in, in Kawhi Leonard's place that are both higher than plus 30 in uh, 28 and 33 minutes. Now, when you your four heaviest usage lineups are enormous pluses like that, the fact that the team's net rating is quote-unquote only 8.5 is a little concerning. And the reason for that is that when Lowry, Leonard, and Green are all off the floor together, I'm using those three as a control because obviously Lowry and Leonard are the stars uh, and also because they've been the three consistent starters. So we'll use them as kind of the control group for how the bench looks. When Lowry, Leonard, and Green are all on the bench, the Raptors have been outscored by five points per 100 possessions. Again, not alarming, not something they need to necessarily change right now. They've got some rope to figure this out, and obviously they're doing quite well as they figure it out. Uh, but that does highlight that basically the starless groups and the groups without ultra glue guy Danny Green uh, have struggled so far this year, and that's uncharacteristic. If you watched, I think a good example of this was the fourth, the beginning of the fourth quarter against Orlando, where the Raptors turned it over every time Six down the floor. Six times Terrence, in four minutes. And, Ter- and Terrence Ross missed a shot every time down the floor for the Magic. Uh, <laughs> and they're just not creating enough. And you would think off of like missed baskets, they would have chances to run, but they're not because, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers, but because Van Vliet's struggling at the rim, I, I want to say that DeLon Wright's probably missing more layups. And even though he takes difficult layups that's sort of the nature of of his attacks but i I don't think he's been particularly proficient uh with those looks 
And you don't have, you know, when CJ Miles was playing, he was playing poorly, and now you don't have that spacing anyway. Uh, you're basically left with Jonas Valanciunas, uh, assuming he's on the floor, as your only sort of plus offensive player. And none of the guards the use him super well. It was part of your uh, piece off the Hawks yeah. game about their bigger lineups. Is that, you know, Lowry's just so much better because he has more experience for, you know, in large part at using Valanchunas and, and even Ibaka than the other two, uh, you know, main ball handlers, uh, non-Siakam division. Yeah, it's a, you know, it, it's a work in progress, obviously, that those bench groups. Um, and like I said, there are, there are internal solutions that amount to just rotation tweaks that you could do. Um, I think what will help, too, is somewhat of a return to health. You sh- probably won't see Kawhi Leonard rest too much in the next little bit. Like you said, the Raptors don't have a back-to-back until December 11th and 12th. They do have three one-game road trips, and I wonder if maybe he sits on one of those, even though it's not a back-to-back. I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's just a lot to fly, play one game against a bad, a very bad team like Cleveland and then fly back. But um, anyway, they should be healthy. They have this nice, they can get to do a little bit of a routine here where they play every second day, basically through to December 11th now. Um, so in terms of a, a rhythm and a game day routine and things like that, CJ Miles and OG Ananobi are both expected back shortly. And Norman Powell sounds like he's ahead of progress as well. So uh, they might be yeah. getting... CJ Miles. Sorry, go ahead. CJ Miles thought he would play in Atlanta or Orlando, one of the two. Okay. Uh, and I think they're just being ultra cautious, which they should be because a doctor injuries don't mess around. Yeah, we saw uh, but, one right uh, come back and then have to go back on the shelf, right? So, yeah. So, uh, uh, anyway, he'll be back. I know people are probably angry about that because they don't remember how useful he can be, but whatever. I seem to think CJ Miles is not good and he wasn't playing well, but he has his uses. Uh, he's not going to shoot think- 27% on threes all year. Yeah, I was talking about this with somebody with the Raptors, and uh, I think he can refine his looks this year just because, like, last year they really needed him to space the floor in that second unit and to take those tough looks. Like, that was sort of, you know, part of what opened things up for Van Vliet's drives and and for, you know, dives to the bucket by Siakam, et cetera, et cetera. I think he can make it so, you know, he doesn't need to take a shot. Even though he can make them, you know, he can really come off screens and make sure he has his feet set, for example, as opposed to, you know, changing body position uh, in the air and, and trying to get going. And that's just, that was, I think, an example of a guy just really wanting to break out of a slump uh, and pressing a bit too much. But that was like several weeks ago now. And People probably don't remember what I'm talking about, so it's fine. All right, let's look ahead a little bit. Uh, We'll assume a relative return to health for Friday. The Washington Wizards tire fire visits uh, Sunday, the Miami Heater here, and then they'll go on the road for one against Memphis. We'll kind of cut the window off there because next Thursday the Golden State Warriors visit, and that's a a topic all its own. But uh, at home against Washington, Miami, and on the road against Memphis, Eric, I'll put you on the spot to pick them again because – you know, before that West Coast trip, you were perfect on the year. You did get the Utah game wrong, as I think most of us did, including the Raptors. Uh, and then, yeah, we didn't make picks for the for the last couple of games. So what what do you see for this next little three-game snapshot? I think they're going to go 3-0. Uh, 
Um, Memphis is all, good all right the, now. I know. All of the games make me. All of the games make me nervous, uh, just because the Wizards usually give the Raptors a better shot than uh, they think. But there's usually implosion involved uh, by one team, but one team or the other, somebody somebody will implode. Uh, Miami just, you know, under Spolster, they always play so hard. I, I just think they're still sort of figuring who they are um, from who are their best players. You know, Richardson's been great, but beyond that, uh, Whiteside's having a bit of a better year, but they're still sort of working things out there. And Memphis has been really good. I think they, they're they have the best record in the Western Conference as of this morning. They are 12-5 and five with the best record in the Western Conference as of this morning because <laughs> the Bucks put a 40-point hurt on the Trailblazers last night. Uh, the Bucks are going to be number one in a lot of power rankings this week. Might be number one in the Eastern Conference if uh, the Raptors don't go 3-0 in this little stretch. Uh, yeah, they're good. But uh, the Grizzlies, they're going to Grizzly, yeah. Like it's, it's, Great and grind, uh, baby. Yeah, like the players have changed except for Gasol and Conley, uh, but they do what they do. Both Gasol and Conley are having decent bounce-back years, although it's not like they've been great and we're remembering. Well, Gasol has been pretty great, but Conley's been a bit up and down, uh, and that they're still doing this is pretty impressive. Jaron Jackson Jr. is uh, very intriguing. Yeah, he was the second-best player in that draft. Yeah. Anyway, all of those, like, yeah, I think they'll beat all those teams. Going to pick 3-0, and but uh, maybe it's a product of being a Raptors observer for all these years. You know, I, I have concerns. Yeah, as you should. It's the NBA. You can't, can't expect it. If every team beat every team that was worse than them, the Raptors would go 80-2 and this year. They're going 70-12 yeah. and at best. So... <laughs> Doesn't always work wow. out that way sometimes. You're giving them eight more losses. Yeah, yeah. At some point they'll lose some games, you know. They've got five back to backs left, so it's crazy that they've gotten seven what have they gotten? Seven of their twelve back to backs out of the way already? They haven't lost on a back to back yet. Damn. Like on the second game of a back to back. Who needs Kawhi, more right? More back more back to backs, I said. Yeah. See see this is this is self defeating though, because Kawhi Leonard winning the MVP was a good way to help retain him because you could be like, hey, look, you you can win an MVP with this team. Uh, but so far, the the rest patterns have just made Kyle Lowry's MVP case for him. Yeah, they should start playing Kawhi in the second night of back-to-backs instead. Just to just ignore the schedule because I think they've like actually played him in the proper games each time Okay, uh, based on uh, you know the leverage of the game and the quality of the opponent and minimizing travel, but stop doing that. Play them against the worst team and just see what happens. Yeah. Although the next one, the next one is Clippers Warriors yeah, good luck. on the road, which uh, would be tricky. There's no good option there. I think you got to, uh, you got to play them against the Clippers and make sure those bad questions get in, uh, get in his scrum. Oh yeah. Again, you, you like hugs, man. Yeah, no, it's Masai's got to hire a few more uh, fake reporters. Yeah, uh, to uh, lob terrible questions at him. Yeah, the issue with the Clippers though versus the Lakers is that Lee Jenkins looms. So, yeah, uh, it will be interesting if there's a big profile shortly after uh, in Sports Illustrated by G. Lankins, uh, <laughs> and 
and uh, it's like, oh, cool. really got quiet to open up here. This G is uh, is an up and coming superstar of basketball journalism. Uh, oh boy. Uh, okay, we should wrap this up. We're forty minutes in. Some brief uh, Raptors adjacent news. Raptors adjacent. Yeah, actually, I guess it's more Canada basketball adjacent, but it's Raptors adjacent too. Venezuela and Brazil both announced their rosters for the upcoming FIBA qualifiers, which uh, the next quadrant starts next Friday, I think. Um, Venezuela is basically rolling out the same team they played with last summer, so that'll be tough for a Canada team that will have no NBA players, no EuroLeague players. And then we're not sure, but uh, Xavier Rathon Mays and Melvin Edgem have both been banged up from the looks of their game logs overseas. Uh, so that's a concern. Uh, also a concern, suiting up for Brazil. Former Raptors League, Raptors Summer Leaguer and Bruno Translator, Scott Machado. Former oh, no. Raptors Summer Leaguer, Augusto Lima. And former Toronto Raptors Center, Lucas Nogueira. We get to see baby. Oh, no. Revenge game. Revenge against the whole country. Baby, baby revenge game. Two points, 10 blocks, 22 assists. Yeah. He's uh, he's only averaging like 12 minutes a game in Spain right now. I'm, I'm a little worried about him. But Free he's, baby. He's not playing on a good team either. Ugh. So, yeah. I don't know what's um, happening. I should point out that I saw Terrence Ross on this trip. He seems good. He seems well. He was... Uh, Downright ebullient before that game. Yeah, he's um, he's good. He's one of our guys, piece, right? Yeah, good piece by uh, Joshua Robbins in the Athletic at uh, uh, over in Orlando uh, about his uh, recovery from his surgery last year and the you know his family helping him through that difficult time. Uh, Terry really opened it up, and and, and it actually. It made me think we should no longer call him Terry because his dad's name is Terry, and he like he still talks to his dad occasionally, but they don't have a super great relationship. It uh, sounds like maybe I'll just never call him Terry again. TJ, I mean, that seems TJ it is. <laughs> yeah, it seems unlikely. Uh, and also, Terrence got rid of his dogs what? when he was traded. Yeah, uh, he said when he like I don't know if it happened right away, uh, but. He no longer has his dogs. That's awful. And he said, and he said now my kids keep me, uh, keep me busy. And I told him I was less interested in that. <laughs> nice. How's Walter, by the way? I know you missed him. Yeah, no, he's good. He, uh, when I walked in the door at like 1.15 a.m., he got out of bat- bed, uh, sort of slumped to the door, sniffed me a few times, went and got his ball, and <laughs> uh, then went back to bed. Yeah, good dog. It was really a really a beautiful moment of uh, returning home. Yeah, yeah. At least he woke up. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Good guy. Yeah, good dog. <laughs> um, all right, man. Do you have anything else before we uh, before we go? I want to go eat ramen no, I... and watch Creed. Yeah, no, those are good things to do. I think that's it. Yeah, I'm good. What do you think the biggest complaint about this podcast will be? The 15 minutes of banter before we talk about Raptors, or the audio quality? Oh, I mean, we really, I, I, I can't speak to the audio quality. You've cut out a couple times and I'm a little worried about it, but I'll do a more proper edit than usual to try to try yeah. to clean it up. I've got to think it's a banter since there was just so much following such a long delay mm-hmm. in uh, us actually recording something, but who knows? All right. Well, we'll do another one next week, probably after the Memphis game on that Wednesday, maybe after practice or something to tee up the Warriors game. Maybe. It won't be three weeks again or two weeks or whatever it was. Unless it is. 
Yeah, unless it is. You guys survived without it. I certainly did. Bare- barely. Barely. All right, Eric. Thanks so much for this. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. We will talk to you sometime next week. Thanks, Blake. See ya. If only to be a reasonable man.